Man, that was, that was beautiful, wasn't it? You know, sometimes when, when we get to sing songs together, um, in the back of my mind I think, well, I think, I think that song was for us this morning, you know, that the Lord was speaking to our congregation, right? And sometimes, I'm not sure because it's a song that somebody else wrote, but I, I just want to brag for a moment. You know, Reuben wrote that song for Psalm 128. And man... It's beautiful. I walked in this morning in the sanctuary. They were practicing it, and it just it blew me away. And, and then here I am now getting ready to preach from Psalm 128. And so I'll invite you right now. Why don't we stand to our feet, and let's grab your copy of God's Word. And we're going to go right to that psalm again, and I will read it to you. Just six verses, but there's so much here for us to talk about. Psalm chapter one, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat of the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. And behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life, and may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. You you can be seated. Well, I'll tell you, uh, this morning it is really a privilege. I I do love to be able to to support Pastor Seth, our, our senior pastor, while he's out of town, and be able to bring the word to you. My name is Pastor Zach, so if you are new with us this morning and you haven't seen me before, I get to work with our next generation ministry. So uh, that means that me and my team work with kindergartners all the way up to college age students, and that translates to us having way more fun than everybody else in the church. We, we have a great time in our youth ministries um, bring, bringing the Lord and bringing the, the word of the Lord uh, to these little ones, and, and it's really a privilege. Um, this past week, I was over at our camp, and I, I, for the past month, really, I'll be, or for this next month, I'll be in uh, the, the camp speaker uh, over at Camp Fellowship, and, and we do this thing called Camp Wired, which is for um, first graders all the way up to middle school, and I started out when it was my first time to preach, I kind of held up the book, and I said, okay, what's this? What's this? And they're like, that's the Bible. You know, <laughs> it's the Bible. And I said, okay, what's, what's in there? What's, what's the Bible all about? And, and they kind of went back and forth. And we got to this sort of working definition where they were like, well, it's like directions for how you should live your life. You know, I think my object lesson for the little ones was like a little stack of Legos. And I was like, you know what? That's pretty interesting. I, I think that's true. You know, because some of what we find in here clearly is God saying, listen, this right here, this is good, and this is right, and this is true, and, and you should do this. And then this thing over here, he'll say, listen, this is wrong, it's evil, stay away from that. And so on one hand, it is true, the little ones are right. Okay, there's some things in there. How do you live your life, and, and, and what are you going you know, to do? Are you going to follow the things of the Lord? But I said to them, you know, it's much more than that. And as I taught them, I'll remind you that this is much more than just a book of directions. And it's much more than just, just words on a page or sentences and paragraphs. It's, it's, the, it's the word of God. And that means that, that God started a conversation with, with us a long time ago. And he speaks even today. And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I have wondered, if, man, if just the Lord could speak to me, if I could just hear his voice, let me encourage you this morning. He has. 
He's spoken to you, and you can hear him in his word. And I'm hoping that that's what we can do today because we are, as, uh, as you know, continuing in our series in the Psalms. And the book of Psalms is the word of God, um, but it's unique because when you hear it, when you, when you hear the Psalms come to you, and, and even in Psalm 128, what, what the Psalms do is they, they just get right into the realness of life. Right into the routines of life. So, I mean, all of us have these daily routines that we go through. I mean, tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll get ready and you'll, you'll go to work. And, um, you know, when our kids will be getting ready to go back to school, kids, I'm sorry about that. You've got to go back to school. There's nothing I can do about that. You need to learn and do well in school. But once those routines kick back in, you can feel it. The, the, the regularness of everyday life, the Psalms are going to cut right into that. And, and so what I love about the Psalms is that it's a collection of songs and, and prayers where, where the people who write them, inspired by the Holy Spirit, they're, they're giving you an indication of, you know, life is noisy. There, there's so many noisy things in life, and, and you can read on one page, and people are lifting up lament and anguish and frustration, and they're giving you the range of despair that they're feeling, and then in another place, a couple of pages later, you see success and prosperity and excitement and praise of God. All these emotions, all the noises of life are represented in Psalms. And at the same time, what the psalmists do is they say, look, listen, all that's noise. I, I see it. But lift up your eyes higher and see the God who's in control of it all. See the God who's, who's sovereign. He's the king. And so I love it. I love the Psalms because it doesn't give you this philosophical idea that's way up here. It's going to bring it right home to you. And do you believe me when I say that we're creatures of habit, creatures of routine? I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to convince you one more time that my, my son Aaron is three years old, okay? And he already has these routines, these daily things that he likes to do in his life. Um, I want you to know there's a serious process in my house for how his milk gets warmed up in the morning, and uh, it's so specific. Uh, he gets up around the same time I do, like 5.15, 5.30. Everybody else is sleeping. If he doesn't, if I'm not the one to make his warm milk, uh, my wife will be like, oh, Aaron, I can make your milk for you. He just looks at her like, listen, we both know you're not going to do this the right way, so why don't you just pour it down the sink? Save us both some time. And I literally, I, I had written down that I was going to share this with you, and this morning, like clockwork, he's angry because Anna did not make the milk the right way. And he's just kind of, there was not enough milk in the cup Right, he has to press the button on the microwave. The cups have to be in the right order. He must gather all the pieces. And then, you know, at the end, parents, you know this, if, if the milk goes in the microwave, it's, it's, une- it's he- heated unevenly. You gotta shake it up. He will not have, Prince Aaron cannot stoop so low as to have bubbly milk. Okay, so I can only turn it upside down slowly a couple times so that he can then sit and enjoy the splendor of his warm milk. We're creatures of habit, and, and God's word doesn't, it, it's not so high that we can't understand it. It's coming in right into the daily needs of our lives, and this psalm that we're looking at this morning is going to hit on one of the biggest daily needs that, that I think that we have, you know? We're human beings, and, and if you're honest with yourself, I mean, it's a little bit awkward to be a human being, because deep down in our souls, we understand two things, and they're like, and they're completely opposite, I mean, the one thing we understand is it, it, we, we, are going, we are finite creatures. So what, what I mean is we're going to die one day, which is kind of like, hey, welcome to the sermon. You're all going to die, right? <laughs> deep, deep down, we understand that we, we will not last forever. As I was getting ready this morning, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm going, there's a lot more gray in your beard than there was five years ago. What, what's going on here? And so we have this deep down understanding that we will not last forever. And then right next to it, is an understanding and a feeling. Like we know that we know 
that death is not the end. So we have this idea that we're finite and eternal all at the same time, and it's a turmoil in the life of every person. And it doesn't matter if you claim to be an atheist or you don't follow the God of the Bible, you are asking the same questions over and over. What happens when we die? How can I reconcile this frustration that's within me? And in Psalm 28, the the question that gets answered is, how, how do we meet with God? Why would we want to meet with God? It's a beautiful way for us to, uh, to start our day today and to be thinking about during the week. So grab your Bible and, and let's look at Psalm 128 together. And I'm sure that your, your Bible looks like this as, as well, but it says here in mine, it says Psalm 128, and it has this uh, little category that it gives the psalm. Do you see that? It says the song of ascent. You see that? Now, this song of a sense, if you've been reading the Bible for a little while and you've gone through the Psalms a bit, you'll know that, that not every Psalm is, is categorized as a song of ascent. There's actually only a few of them, and it starts, if you flip over to Psalm 120, the first song of ascent begins in Psalm 120, and it goes all the way to Psalm 134. And, and so you'll see someone will say song of ascent of David. We know King David. Uh, some of them say, I think just one of them actually says a song of ascent of Solomon. He was David's son, right, the, the king of Israel. And then others, like the one we're reading today, doesn't have a label, doesn't tell us who wrote it, and, and so it's sort of an anonymous song of ascent. And these, uh, these psalms are often categorized as the pilgrim songs because uh, way back in ancient Israel, they had a routine, they had a rhythm, they had a daily need, a daily life, where in, throughout the year they had to return to Jerusalem and they had to return three times for different feasts and festivals. It was part of how they worshiped God. And this is one of the reasons why, I don't know if you caught it, I mean, sometimes we hear this word Zion. You've heard that word Zion before. You know, blessing is going to come for the ones who fear the Lord and walk in his ways, but where does blessing come from? Blessing comes from Zion, is what it says. And, and that's because the ancient Jews, Zion was where the Temple Mount was. It's in the same mountain range that Jerusalem is at. And so these songs of ascent are literal songs of of ascension. They're walking up the mountain to Jerusalem and they're preparing their hearts, ascending in their hearts a bit, to be able to uh, prepare themselves for the worship that's gonna take place at the temple. And they'll be sacrificed there and there'll be praise and thanksgiving. All that stuff is happening um, in in these songs. And so every one of them has these connections to like, man, look at the way that the Lord has blessed us and all the things that he's done. Now, I think it's really tempting. It's tempting for us because, you know, as Christians, do we have to travel to Jerusalem anymore? We don't. We don't have to. And that's probably good because I can't afford that ticket. I can't be getting on a plane and heading up to Jerusalem. It's not something that I can do on a regular basis. But the reason why we don't do those things anymore is because Jesus, uh, he he changed some things. And we're going to talk about him in a bit, of course, because we're at church. But we don't do the same things that the ancient Jews do. And so it is easy for us as modern people to look at them and think, well, they're, they're different than you and I, you know? But I'm gonna tell you something today. No, they're not. You know, we have this sense that we've sort of progressed so far and we've, we've made it to a different place and we kind of understand life different than those who lived all those years ago. But the truth is the same. Our hearts are all in turmoil. Our hearts are all looking to meet with the Lord and these people are walking up the mountainside in order to connect with God because they knew that his presence was there. And man, we need that today. You know, it says, if it says right here that, that blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways, I look at that and I go, okay, well, I, I don't know that I've met someone who just does that naturally. And what the Bible will tell us is that no one does. And so those people in Jerusalem, they're, or the people that, as they're heading to Jerusalem, they're, they're preparing their hearts to meet with God. They want a blessing. 
They want to be blessed. They want to know the Lord. And this is a part of who we are as humans. And it started all the way back in the garden. You know, these, these phrases that we have here, these songs, there's so much to them because they connect us throughout history all the way back to that original human pair, Adam and Eve. You remember them? And some of you are like, yeah, yes, yes. I'm just, I'm talking to you. It's okay. Um, Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, when we read in Genesis and, and God creates, he creates everything. Right, he, he zooms in in Genesis chapter two and gives us a little bit of a breakdown of what's happening with Adam and Eve, and and, and it's amazing. He he has this this country of Eden, and sometimes we think that the whole country is the garden. It's not. It's this big country of Eden, and over in the east, he plants this garden. We call it the Garden of Eden, and the scripture tells us that that rivers flow out of the garden. So we know if rivers are flowing out of the garden, it's on a mountain. So up on the top of that mountain, the Garden of Eden is planted, and and man, this is where. Adam walked with God and spoke with him and met with him. This is the way, we all long for this. I do think this is the reason why we're all searching for God is because we, there's a part of us that just remembers what that was like to be with God and to walk with him in the cool of the day as Adam did. Now things in the garden, if you've never read the story uh, in Genesis, I'll give you the, the quick version. It didn't go well, okay? Uh, Adam and Eve, they began to do exactly what we do, which is we don't fear the Lord with everything that we have, and we don't walk in his ways, and they started to make up what was right and wrong for them, and they ate of the tree that they were not meant to eat from. Now, a lot of us understand that story, but what happens after is they get, they get taken out of the garden, and the garden is, is it's, it's, it's barred up. They shut it down. You cannot go back in there, and there's a cherubim, a heavenly creature that's put there. I mean, things are intense. A flaming sword is there. It's an, it's an intense moment in scripture where you recognize Adam and Eve are not getting back in there, and not only are they not getting back in here, but we're, we're not going to be able to make it back in. But in Genesis chapter four, something really interesting happens because they have children, Cain and Abel. If you've never heard that story, it also does not go well. <laughs> um, Cain and Abel are born, and it says in Genesis chapter four, a really interesting line. It says, in the, sort, throughout the process of time, or in the course of time, Cain and Abel both knew that they were supposed to bring an offering to God. And I sometimes would wonder, like, well, how did, how did they know that? And one of the reasons I think they know that is because where is God located? When, when we have a connection with God and we're in the garden, that's the headquarters. That's where, he's, that's where he is. And so if we're going to try to bring an offering to God or connect with God, I think, I think Cain and Abel knew that because Adam and Eve knew that. And, and what would they do? They'd do just like the Jews did, walking up the mountainside to go to Jerusalem to meet with God in the temple, Adam and Eve and their family, and for, who knows for how long, would walk up that mountainside to try to meet with God again. We're not different. That mountain is not there anymore. The garden's not there anymore. And, and the temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed. But we're not different. We're looking for, and we're asking, what, how do we meet with God? Where do we get this blessing? How is it that I can get these blessings right here that are in Psalm 128? And you know why we want the blessing? Because something else happened in that garden. God brought a punishment, didn't he? He brought a curse, and the curse has the kind of reverberations that, man, it just weighs on us. It's a kind of weight. And so in Psalm 128, just look at the order that these blessings come in. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. Men, let me talk to you, men. In, in the Garden of Eden, the punishment that comes to Adam, I want you to know, the punishment has to do with his work. 
He says that he's going to work by the sweat of his brow. He's going to work the fields and it's going to be painful and it's going to be difficult. Men, we have a real struggle with work, right? Not all of us are farmers like Adam will be, but we struggle with work. When you think of someone who's a workaholic, you think of a guy, right? It comes to mind. There is something about work that is difficult and it comes from the curse. But what does it say right here? Verse two, it says, you shall eat of the fruit of your labor, of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed and it will be well with you. Man, he's talking, he's talking to us men. These blessings come out in a creation order. And the order that comes out is different than what the culture might say today. But the order starts with men. It starts with the man. It starts with the husband. It starts with Adam. And when we read it today, we look at it and we go, our work, the work that was supposed to be cursed, now because of blessing, there's, there's fruit that are coming out on these trees. And that fruit is filling up our bellies. And it's able to provide for our families. Man, this is, a, this is, a, this is the kind of blessing that we want. And, and it keeps going. You know, in, in this moment, as we're learning about the, the one who fears the Lord and walks in his ways, eats the fruit of the labor of his hands, and, and are blessed, and it shall be well with you, it's as if the husband in the household, who's the, the leader of the household, is supposed to be cultivating a beautiful garden within his home. And that garden is going to yield the kind of fruit. Look what, look what happens next. It says, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. I've been thinking a lot about vines lately uh, because we bought a house in Vincenttown. And it's very old. By the way, we bought a house and that means you can't get rid of us now. You're stuck with me and my family. <laughs> you don't have to clap for that. <laughs> And it's like, we love old houses, and so this is it's a fixer-upper, let me tell you. Out on the property, there's this old garage, and the vines that have grown into this garage are insane. I mean, they've just gone through windows and up into the eaves of the roof. Vines don't care. After a while, they're like, we don't care that there's a garage here. I'm going to knock this whole thing right down. A fruitful vine in your house, right? This blessing comes, and, and, it's, and basically it looks at the husband, and, and, the, and you can make a kind of garden. And what it... In, in Genesis chapter three, it says thorns and thistles are gonna grow out of the ground for Adam. And now all of a sudden we say, your wife is like a fruitful vine. There's, there's flourishing that's happening in the home. And, and women, this, th- just think about this. This is, if you have a husband who fears the Lord and walks in his way and cultivates this kind of life, you're not a thorn or a thistle that comes out of the ground and causes pain and difficulty and frustration. What was the punishment? What was the curse that was given to Eve? Your, your, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. There's a kind of marriage that feels like that's a, a, a kind of crushing that can happen, but that's not what's going on right here. Do you see this blessing? Like a fruitful vine. You know what kind of vine? It's a grape vine. Man, what can we make with grapes? Not just grape juice. We can make wine, a fruitful vine, a wife who is fruitful and she's intoxicating. I mean, who doesn't want to live in this kind of household? When the husband fears the Lord and walks in his ways, when the wife fears the Lord and walks in his ways, and when you have a marriage that's blessed like this, the natural thing that it yields are children. Have a bunch of children. Um, I, I'll never forget, uh, recently we did a, 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 like a dinner for our graduating senior class and we had them all here in the, in the atrium and I was talking to them and I was like, here's my last final piece of advice to you. All their parents are there and I just said, listen, love Jesus with everything you have, 
Okay, and everyone's like, check, no problem, I like that one. And I said, get married too young and have more kids than you can afford. And all the parents fell off their chairs. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Listen, children are a blessing. Don't, don't, this right here, I mean, this is God's way of doing things. I don't care what the culture tells you to do. Men and women, have children if you can. Because there is a kind of blessing that you cannot imagine. Of all the work that I've done in my life, all the things that I've accomplished, and all the ways that I would say, man, I'm so proud of that thing that I did. You know what the best thing that I've ever done is I had kids. And they're so difficult. But there's nothing better than realizing that from one generation to another, you can see the faithfulness of God further and further and further out. It says that your children will be like olive shoots. Olive shoots. What what do we make? Olives are used to make olive oil. And oil is, man, the symbol word of the Bible. Pastor Seth talks about this all the time. The symbol word of the Bible, I mean, oil is like liquid light. It's light, it's used for, for anointing, and it's used, it's used to, to, to talk about sanctification, and uh, oil is amazing, and, and he's saying, your little kids, your kids are gonna grow up to be little bundles of liquid light, and they're not gonna stay at home forever because they're gonna go out, and they're gonna continue. What does God say to Adam and Eve in the beginning? Go be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over this world. This is part of that mandate these children are going to go out and they're going to become husbands and they're going to become wives and they're going to become moms and dads. And, and what does it say at the very end of the Psalm? It says, may you see your children's children. How many grandparents are here? Grandparents is I'm, I don't have any grandkids yet. I told my kids I'd like 25 grandkids. I have five kids. They each have to have five children. Um, how, how awesome is it to be a grandparent? You know, you know why I know it's awesome. It's not because I've experienced it because I get to watch my parents. I get to watch my parents with my kids. It's it makes me, <laughs> it makes me tear up. They get to, because they get to see the faithfulness of God a, a further generation out. And I pray that all of you will be able to see your children's children. What a blessing that the Lord offers here for those who follow the Lord. They fear him and, and walk in his ways. Who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want this? Man, it's a beautiful thing when we follow the, the path that the Lord has laid out for us, when we, when we enter into what the little garden is supposed to look like in our homes. And we just say to the culture, forget you. Children are the best. Marriages, this is where it's at. Families are most important. This is the way that God did it and we're gonna do it his way and we don't care about what you say. I hope that will be you. Let God speak to you in this. Now, I, I hope, as I said before, I'm, I'm hoping that you're kind of tracking with me. You're understanding now that there is a kind of blessing that comes to people who follow after the Lord, who walk in his ways and, and they fear him. And the blessing is in the home. The blessing is far reaching. It doesn't happen just right here and now, but it's got a future hope to it. There's all these layers to God's blessing. And I hope for you, you're thinking, right? Okay, well, Adam and Eve could go to meet with God up on that, on that mountain at the, at the garden sanctuary. And just so you know, that that sanctuary is gone now. It's gone in the flood. And and then the Jews, they could could go and meet with God up on Mount Zion in in Jerusalem. I want you to know, Nero destroyed the temple a long time ago. That temple is not there anymore. And so I hope, I hope this morning that you're thinking like, what about now? 
How can I meet with God now? How, how can I find these blessings? Because there is a curse for those who don't fear the Lord and walk in his ways. How, how do we find these blessings? How can we do it right now? And, um, you know, I told you I was at the camp this past two weeks. And um, I, I got to teach on the Lord's Prayer. We were, we were finishing up the Lord's Prayer and I talked about how Jesus is a, he's the good shepherd, right? And, and he, he lays down his life for his sheep. And I talked about how Jesus died. And I'm, I'm talking to a group of kids, they're, they're smaller. And this little girl came up to me at the end on Friday and she looked at me and she said, I just don't, I don't understand. How, how did Jesus die? And I said, well, you know, I told you he died on the cross. And I've never heard anyone ask me this question before. What's a cross? And before I could even say anything, these little girls that were with her, they kind of like put their hand on her shoulder and they started to explain what happened to Jesus on the cross. I don't know how I held it together there. I'm, I guess I'm a mess today. And they said, well, it's this piece of wood, right? And they, and they laid it out and they put him on there and they... put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet and they hung him up on it and he couldn't even he couldn't breathe up there and 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 they killed him and this little girl she looked at those kids and she looked at me and she said that's terrible and I got to tell you something she's right it is terrible what Jesus endured on that cross you see blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways The opposite is true. Cursed is everyone who does not fear the Lord and does not walk in his ways. And there's not a person in this room who naturally fears the Lord and walks in his ways. And guess what? That means that there is on your shoulders and on mine a kind of weight, a kind of curse that will crush you. A kind of curse that you earned. And Jesus Christ on a different hill, on a different mountain, he grabbed the cross and he walked all the way to the top and what he did is he took, he took your curse and mine to the cross with him. And he was nailed there that day. And all of the curse that we had earned laid on his shoulders and every bit of blessing that Jesus Christ had earned by being a man who feared the Lord and walked in his ways. He did everything that the Lord God had commanded. He, he hung on that cross and he took your curse and mine and he gave us the blessing that he deserved. And can't you see it in this text? I mean, let's think about it in in terms of Jesus. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's like the husband of the church. He shall eat of the fruit of the labor of his hands. What about the labor of Jesus' hands up on that cross? Was it fruitful? Was there blessing? Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in your house. Here we are in the house of the Lord. Are we like a fruitful vine? Are we growing are we, are we, are, I mean, think about the church, how much the church has spread out since 120 followers that exploded because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And where are we today? How many Christians are there in this world? How is it in the house of the Lord? It's packed, I'll tell you that. And it's not just packed here. Every tribe and tongue and nation will be worshiping the Lord for all of eternity. God is amazing at what he's done. His fruitful vine in his house is growing and growing and the children of the Lord are like olive shoots, little balls of light. And we are the light, the light of the world because Jesus is in us. We, what do we have to give? What we have to give is light. And over and over again, 
Jesus is, is, we're spreading the gospel. We're spreading the good news. Families are being changed. That is the blessing that came from Jesus Christ. And I always chuckle because Jesus, Jesus is a carpenter and he tells his disciples, I'm gonna go and make a place for you, you know? I'm gonna build a place. And Thomas, I'm glad Thomas asked this question because I often ask it and maybe you do too. He says, how do we get there? And this is what I'm gonna leave you with today, church. It's just simply this. How do we get there? Jesus looks at him and he says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you haven't met him, if you haven't realized that he's the way to meet with God, that he's the way to experience the kind of blessing that this psalm talks about. If you haven't, then you're missing out on, on the very foundation, the very foundation that Jesus built, which was with those, those nails on that cross on that day when the curse was taken away and blessing was given to those who trust in his name. Don't miss it. Who doesn't want it? <laughs> And like the psalm, I pray that it'll change your family and I pray that it'll change your life and I pray that you'll see your children's children. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is, it's hard for me sometimes to imagine just just how much you love us. I, I, I honestly, I take it for granted. When that word curse, we don't use it in our culture very often anymore, but there is something so deep-seated in what it means to be cursed by sin. And no matter where we are, we, 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 we need to know you. And so I, what I want to do is I want to worship you, Lord. And I want to I give to you everything that you deserve. And I believe that everyone here at this church, they want that too. Help us, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit to obey you and to worship you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.